So um, the best football player that I've ever had, the best football player, Clint Bowling, one of my coaches is going to be mad at me because he's not the best one I've had. Um, Patrick Pass played for me at Tucker. Patrick went on, played for Georgia, uh, signed with the Marlins, played with the Marlins, played with the New England Patriots. And I think now he's got Wait, two. Wait, he did the baseball and the football? Yeah, well, he did He did the baseball in Georgia during college. Then when baseball didn't work out, then he signed with the Patriots. And um, I think he's got two Super Bowl rings. And in high school, uh, probably the worst player I've ever had was a kid named Lazar. And uh, got mad one day at practice, and I threw the kids off the field. And uh, I, had, I had six kids out there. And we did a tackling drill. And Patrick Pass steps up, and Lazar steps up. And I'm like, this may not be good right here. And I, and I kind of looked at Patrick. And Patrick, he, he knew. And so they did this tackling drill, and Patrick ran in there, and, and Lazar tackled him. Got him on the ground. And I told Lazar, and so prophetic at the time, I didn't even know. I said, one day, you're going to remember that now. You're going to remember you tackled that guy. So you go forward to one of the Super Bowls. And the opening kickoff, Patrick Pass catches the, the opening kickoff, runs. And I, I can't remember what he did. He, he, he made some yardage. But my phone literally rang. And I answered the phone. And the kid goes, I tackled that guy one day. <laughs> and it was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, so that was like, that, that was chill bumps. Yeah, it's chill bumps now thinking about that. That that was special. And that that's part of high school football. Those memories like that. That's awesome. So I got uh, Coach Terry Crowder with me today, and Terry has uh, uh, had a lot of success in high school football. He's uh, been a defensive coordinator on a state championship team, and then he's been the head coach for a state championship team, and now he's at Kings Ridge Christian School, which is a small private school, and. And, and Alpharetta, and, and he's tasked with trying to build a football program there. And so I thought, you know what? Building a f program is no different than somebody starting their own business or the things you go with as far as trying to, you know, get your troops up to speed. It's kind of like management. You got to market the program to make it attractive where other people want to come in. So it's a lot like business. And I said, Terry, let's. Let's talk a little bit about that, and I also want to understand a little bit about the kids today and, you know, what you're running into on that. So, you know, I, I kind of think the first thing that I want to uh, jump on here, and I kind of got some notes, but, um, I mean, why would a guy like you go from a public school to a small private school at your time that, you know, where you are in your career and take on a whole new challenge? Yeah, I mean – Honestly, and the, you know, is when you get when you get thirty years in public education, the dream of I think of a lot of high school football coaches is to be able to get a private school job and start the double dip stuff. And um, I wasn't looking to leave Denmark High School. I was really happy there. I had a great principal. We were building a program that was, you know, in the top probably top ten in the state. And um, got a call from Jeff Pickering, wanted, wanted to talk to me, the NAD. Um, I was in a position to come in and say, these are the things that I need. Um, they were given to me. And, and, and what I found is it's just been so incredible. Just, uh, I wish I'd done private school a lot longer, honestly. Um, it's been really fun. It's been a challenge. What I found was a challenge. 
Um, but I got a bunch of kids. I got an administration and a faculty that's really supporting me and, and want the same thing, same goals that I want. It was just bring the state championship to Kings Ridge. That's what I want to do. That would be awesome if you do that. And, and um, so a lot of people don't know that. So a lot. So how long do you have to be a high school teacher before you can retire and then you can go do something yeah, at another yeah. school? You know, Georgia high, Georgia retirement is really, really good. Uh, so 30 years, 30 years, and you get 60% of your highest two paid years. So uh, I get 60% of the, t- the two highest years I was in public education. And then what Kings Ridge gives me. So... Um, it's like you know, double retirement. It's, it's double retirement. It, it was a huge pay increase for me to come do this. Huge pay increase. It, and, you know, it's. I feel like I've earned that, you know, for 30 years of service and what I've done to get to this position. And But the problem, I think, that I got to be careful, I'm not comfortable. This is, this, this, I just not come. I want to do, I want to build this now. I want to be really good here at Kings Ridge. And that's what drives me. So, is that the winner in you? Like, that's like, I don't want to just come here and go out to pasture, so to speak. I really want to leave my mark on the program. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, I don't know what it is. I, 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 I just, I feel like I owe it to the kids to give them everything that I can and to the school. So, uh, I think it's whatever was in my upbringing that, taught me that i have to be the best that i can and so i'm, I'm really driven so why why who taught you that how did you learn that i mean what what drives yeah, you on that yeah Is I, something somebody said or you know i i i really feel like the most influential people in my life obviously is being a coach is being other coaches and i think that looking back i had three great coaches growing up that instilled in me some values and it's really interesting because two weeks ago I was at Central Florida talking to Gus Malzahn who Gus Malzahn grew up in the same city I did Fort Smith Arkansas Gus as me and him talked he had the same coaches I had growing up that's interesting and so when me and him got to talking um, I've always said the best coach I've ever seen was a guy named Squeaky Smith and it was a baseball coach I had in American Legion and Gus Malzone told me the same thing without me telling him that I played for Squeaky. He said the best coach he's ever been around was Squeaky Smith. Why? I don't know. It's just something the guy had. It, it, it's just something the guy had. It just He made you want to play really good. And he made you want to do right. And I think those values I've kind of you know, tried to instill. And, and Gus, Gus, I say Gus, Coach Malzahn said the same things. That's so cool. All right, so – what got you into coaching? I mean, why did you choose coaching over doing some other business? Yeah, I, I, you know, I started out University of Arkansas. I was going to be a lawyer. It's kind of I, I don't know why. I, I liked history, so I, I was a history major. Um, and then it was my mom. My mom came up to me one day, and we were talking about some things in the future. And um, mom said, she "said What do you love to do?" I said, "I love football." And I always did. Probably baseball was my best sport, but I love football. She said, you need to be a coach. I said, but I don't look like a coach. And I remember saying those words to her. She goes, that don't make no sense. And so at the (laughs) University of Arkansas, there was a high school there, Fayetteville High School. What does a coach look like? I don't know. Probably probably, Everybody thinks I look like a football coach now. But at the time, I had long hair. (laughs) So I I didn't look like a coach. Um, Did you look like a lawyer? No, <laughs> I probably look like trouble. <laughs> you probably were, <laughs> but um, so I walked across 
literally across the field and started watching Fayetteville High School practice. And there's a guy there, Alan Faring, who was the head football coach. And he called me down, and me and him started talking. Long story short, I started just being a gopher for him, doing whatever I could. And then the year I graduated, he said, I'm going to Georgia. If you want to go, I'll take you. So my first year out of college, he, I said, let's go. So I came, my first job in Georgia, 31 years ago now, was North Gwinnett High School. And uh, went to, so moved to Georgia, started being coach. <laughs> Wait, so was he the head coach? Or? He was the head coach, yep. He had been in Georgia prior. He'd been the head coach at um, Southwest Cab. No kidding. And left there and went to Arkansas. And so it was just a big circle. And we got back and went. I, that's how I ended up in Georgia. So, you know, one of my things in business is do people buy from you or do you sell to them? You know, so when you're growing a new program, I mean, are you having to go out and convince people? I mean, how do you work that to get the the players and the parents and the community behind you? What, what's, yeah. what's your thought process on that? You know, looking back when I started, my first year as a head football coach was at Chattahoochee. And I, <laughs> I learned so much in those first two years. And it's a really a challenge right now to be a high school football coach, a head football coach. In, in an area where, you know, it's, it's recruiting is such a big deal and parents know a lot about what they think they know a lot about, there's, there's a challenge. So what I have found is you have to have that open door to your office where anybody can come in and sit down and you have to talk to them and you have to convince them that you care about their son. And when kid, when parents know that I care about them and when kids know I care about them, all right, now then we can go because I can I can do a lot of things when somebody knows I care about them. Um, it's about them, not you. It's about them, not me. That's a good business lesson, y'all. I agree with that one. Yep, exactly. So how do you go about convincing a parent that you care about the kid? Because I often think about in college recruiting, you know, how does Nick Saban say to somebody that I care about your kid or your kid's better with me or any other college co- How do you – how do you relate that to a kid and a parent that, that you I, care? I, I think, number one, it has to be honesty. Is um, Smoke and mirrors don't work, and it has to be honesty. So you're honest with them that, that he's a great player or not a good player? Or? Honest with them at every level. If, they come, if the parent comes in and asks me where he thinks his son can play, I will tell them where I think they can play. And, uh, even I will though tell, that's not what they want to hear? Not even if it's not what they want to hear. And uh, I've never had a parent come back and say, Coach, you were wrong. He could do Never once that happened. Um, so uh, you start with the honesty. You, you start with, you know, and I, and I have a 20-minute rule with all my coaches, is after practice, a 20-minute rule, you are in the locker room and you got your hands on the kids 20 minutes after practice. Because whatever you said to them, you have to come back later. And I want to see you put your arms around them, tell them you're going to do better the next day. So that's part of it too is I can tell a parent that I'm going to treat their son right, but I got to show it too. And so I think that's a big part of, you know. So what about with your peers that you work with, say, at the school? Do you do the same sort of thing? You got to let them know you care about them too or not? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think that um, at Kings Ridge, at Camden County, in Denmark, it's very important for me to be involved with the band kids. To be involved with the fine arts program, because oh, okay. I want, because so I want Kings Ridge to be good. 
I don't want just the football program to be good. I don't want just the baseball program. I want Kings Ridge to be good because the better everybody is, the better it's going to make me. I just want kids to come to my school. Right, so how does that work? If they're better at band and fine arts, how does that make the football team better? You just, you're not jealous. You're not jealous of it. You go over there and you praise those kids and you see those kids excel and you do things. Coach Herring at Camden County, he's come back to Camden County now. Um, he's probably one of the most successful coaches in the state. Five state championships at four different schools. Coach Heron taught me one day at practice. He stopped practice right in the middle of my, of my period. And he had 125 Gatorades. And he said, we're taking them to the band. I said, Coach, we're practicing football right now. He said, not right now, we're not. And uh, 125 of our kids got a Gatorade and took it to the band standing in the parking lot. We gave each one of those kids a Gatorade until we appreciated what they do. That was huge for the support that we gained throughout the school. Because people are going to stereotype it, top you. People are going to look at me as a football coach and think I'm a certain way. And when I show them that I'm not, that really helps me. And mm. that's why I tell all my young coaches is – don't be that typical, stereotypical football coach. Be be the different guy. So how do you how do you market to kids out there? Like if a new kid's coming into town, moving into state or whatever, and their parents are looking where to live, how do they learn about you and your program over somebody else? How do yeah. you get that word out? It it's it's there's a fine line between trying to recruit kids to come to your program and then building a program that people want to come to. And so, um, at, you know, at Chattahoochee, my first two years, I was two and eight and four and six. And my principal, Tim Duncan, it told me, he said, the reason I kept you is because I didn't have one parent in there wanting you to get fired. That, that told me, and I think told him that kids cared about me. I had a good relationship with parents. Today, that's gonna be really hard in this area because everybody's so competitive. But um, so the fine line is what I decided at Chattahoochee because we had so many schools opening up off it. We had uh, Johns Creek, we had Alpharetta just opened up. And so um, parent would come in, why shouldn't I go over there and play? So what I decided to do was, if you wanna, if you wanna go over there, I'll shake your hand, good luck. But if you wanna win, stay here with me, cause I'm gonna get it done. And so that's what I try to, is I'm gonna build a program and I'm gonna recruit in that I got a good program and you will to come play for me. And that's what I got to do. And that's, that's, I've been lucky enough to have done that at a couple of places. And so that's what I got to do here at Kings Ridge is build something where people will come play for me. So how do you go to a kid in the school and convince that kid who had, maybe he's a baseball player and he's not playing football. How do you get those kind of kids to come be a part of it? Well, if you take a baseball kid, so my quarterback next year is, is signed a scholarship with Air Force to play baseball. But he's going to come play football for me his senior year. And one of the things that I know is if I tell him, you cannot play baseball in the summer, you got to come to workouts with me, I'm going to lose that kid you're every done. time. So what I do is come when you can. If you're a baseball guy, go play baseball, come to me when you can. And so the, the that's so different from when I was in school. It is, it is. Every but, coach wanted you to be dedicated to his particular thing. Yeah, and it's getting. And so, what I found is, <laughs> some of the guys ain't gonna like to hear this. I'm not like the baseball guys or the cross guys saying you got to come play these games. 
They're making kids come play the games. And I'm saying, you come to me when you can. And when they come to me, then we get we get going. And so I tell the you know, I, I don't need you to August 1st. Now, August 1st, I got to have you. Well, baseball season's over then. So now they can come. And um, they want to work. They want discipline. They want, they. I, that's what I found. Kids really want that stuff. And so that's how you recruit kids out of the building to come play for you is you don't make it easier for them. You make it harder. Oh, and tell me about that. How do you make it harder? You, you, you just, you just tell them there's a standard that we set. There's a standard of if you want to be part of this. If you want to be part it. of this. You're going to be here these days. You're not going to be late. If you're late, then I got, I got a punishment for that. Worming, we're going to worm for every minute that you're late. What's worming? <laughs> worming sucks. <laughs> worming is you lay on the ground with your hands behind your back and you have to wiggle and move yourself up the field. And How far? It depends. Five or ten, ten yards. Ten yards for every minute you're late. Whoa! So if you're, you know, it gets up there a little bit. And I don't have a problem with kids being late. <laughs> they're, they're on time. Do they go worm right off the bat or after? Yeah, practice? they already know. I'm gonna tell them no more. They just lay down, and start worming. I just look <laughs> over at them. They show up. Um, the other thing is, you take pride in who you are. We wear KR. We wear KR colors. We wore Denmark colors. We wore Chattahoochee colors. We wore is. If you're going to come and you're going to work out with me, you better not have on Tennessee. I don't care about Tennessee. You better not have on Arkansas. I love Arkansas. Don't have on You have on KR. And um, that's part of the pride, taking pride in who we are and what we do. And that's. So I tell believe. me more about this discipline and the kids actually react positively to that. Yeah. So the big fear I had, Steve when I took Kings Ridge was I thought I might find this elite kid that just played football as a hobby that, you know, going to do what he wanted. Yeah. And it was the Ridge kid. Yeah. 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 And it was opposite. What I found was kids that had not had a lot of success in football and wanted to be good. Just didn't know how to do it. And so, you know, it starts with the things that we all know. It'd be on time. You're going to be on time. We're going to start right now. You're going to be on time. You're going to wear what I tell you to wear. There ain't no, there ain't no debate. You're going to do these things. Um, my rule in the summer is I expect you to go on vacation. I want you to go on vacation. But you better tell me. Just tell me. You tell me you're good. Uh, if you're going to be late in traffic, just tell me. I tell the kids this, and I learned this from a principal, one of the best principals I had ever had, Jack Willis. Burke County High School. He said, he told me this one day, he said, I can understand you being an hour late. I can understand you not showing up, but I can't understand you being a minute late. Because if you're a minute late, it's not important enough to you. And so that's what I tell the kids. They, they know that. They know that saying. I can understand you being an hour late. I can understand you not coming. I can't understand us going on the field and you come running up late because you ain't important enough to you. And when you follow those kinds of things, kids start to see that. And I think it's important that I teach kids that too. And uh, so. So tell me more about the rich kid thing. So, I mean, are they, you you sound like you're pleasantly surprised that they're, I mean, they have good work ethics. And Oh, gosh. They're, they're very goal-oriented. Um, I have zero discipline problems. Um, they, just, they come. They want to be good. There's, there's. I don't know. There's there's values instilled in them. I think that 
uh, lead ten from come from their parents to being successful. So they know what it kind of takes to be successful, and that's 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 really being talked about maybe in the house and people pick I, that I, up. I think absolutely. I think absolutely it is. So what do you do to grow for yourself professionally? So like, you know, offenses and defensives uh, change. You know, equipment changes. I mean, how do you stay on top of your game? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I learned way back, probably 23, 24 years, it started with Patrick Pass, is I had a really good player that every college in America wanted to come in and see him. And so I decided to use that. And so every college coach that came in, they had to sit down with me and talk a little bit. And so over the years, I think I have established a really good relationship with, with college coaches. One I'll give you an example of is Phil Longo is the offensive coordinator at North Carolina. And two summers ago, he invited five college or five high school coaches all over the country to come in and stay and spend two days with him. And I was one of the guys he invited to come in and spend two days with. And that's one, because I had a really good receiver but two, because I established a relationship with him and he knew I could maybe bring something to the table a little bit. And so that's, you're always looking to learn and you just can't say, this is what I do. You're always looking for, I, what interests me right now is practice because my numbers aren't like I've had. So I'm always looking for guys and talking to Give me a difference in numbers from being in a public school to the private oh, wow. school. So, you know, the most I ever had, we took 189 to Valdosta at Camden County, 13 buses for the state championship game. Uh, Denmark, I left. We had about 125. Here, uh, you know, I'll dress out probably 32 to 35 kids. And so, I can't practice the same way I did at Denmark or at Camden County. So, I got to learn different ways to do things. And that's what I'm talking to guys about right now, college guys because they're really good at what they do too now. So what about do you watch anything? I mean, I guess film is big, right? How do you how do you break down another team? You're gonna play another team next week. What what are the things that you're trying to accomplish by I uh, call it good offense you know, the best yeah, offense yeah. is good defense, yeah. right? And if you go in knowing a little bit about yeah. the your opponent, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, my my philosophy offensively defensively is be good at something be really good at something, not a little good at a lot of things. And so for me, when I study an offense, an opponent's offense, I'm looking for their five best plays. What are the five things that they do I got to take away? And that's what we spend the majority of the time. Because if they run it good, they're going to run it and run it and run it, right? That's, that's what they're going to go to. That's what I do. Yep. The things I do good, I'm going to keep doing them. So if I can take away their five best, then I got a shot. Well, to take away the five best, I better concentrate on those five things during the week. And um, so that's that's kind of what we try to do. What about on defense? Defensively, <clears throat> I like guys that – Or offensively, you got to run some play. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah no, so if I'm – when I get ready for somebody defensively, I like guys that do a lot of stuff because I know they're going to miss. What I don't like is when I see – a team do the same thing down after down after down. It's like the same defense every play. Yeah. Then then you're going because the, the, there's not what else. <laughs> if yeah. this don't work, there's not another 
because they ain't doing something else. So uh, that's kind of, you know, Lowndes County for years. You know, that, that comes to mind. Lowndes was a 50 defense. And, man, they were good. And that's, all 50. That's what they did. They were 50 defense. And, you know, you might get three or four shots a game, but that's it now. You, get, you ain't going to get more than that. So what about how important is it, you know, to have star players versus having, you know, really good, solid players? I mean, some people say I need – I need some studs on my team, so to speak. And then some people, I've always thought, you know, give me a bunch of B players, and if they'll, if I got enough of them and they care, I can play a lot of different ways, and maybe I can still beat you. So, what's your philosophy on that? <clears throat> we'll start a coaches meeting next week, and one of the things I'll tell coaches is, you know, how do you win a state championship? Because until you won one, you don't really know how. Right. But once you have, then you know how. You know what it takes, and so. One of the things I think, the things that I, leading over your question is, you have to have coaches that have done it. Every state championship team I've ever seen, I think, has had one guy done it before. They ain't just new fresh guys that do it. Two, you've got to have some good players. You've got to have some different maker guys. And then third, which I think is the most important, is you got to have a bunch of those B guys that are really good. Those really good B guys that can. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to hurt. They're just solid, just solid football players. Because, you know, I look at a team like we talked about a while ago, I'll look for their weaknesses. I don't look at their best player. I look at their worst player. And that's what we're going to attack offensively is their worst player. And so that's what you're trying to get is your worst player is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that so I guess that in business, you know, you kind of think about that. Do you get all A players, or do you get some A's, some B's, and some C's? Do you get rid of your C's? So that's interesting. So you need a little, you need some A's, so the B's can look up. But you need a lot of B's to keep your business running. They're just solid, solid hitters, right? Yeah, it's like that. It's like you know, Michigan used to do that thing with the chain. You're you're only as good as your weakest link. Yeah. And so I would I would assume that'd be the same way in the business world. So what about product knowledge for your players, the understanding of what they're doing and the understanding of the game? How, how important is that? That's probably where high school football's changed more in the last 10 or 15 years than ever is kids learn by watching videos. videos. And so you have to spend time in the film room. That's where kids learn. They see what they've done wrong. They see what they're doing. So you get on the football field, if you ain't watching film, you're telling kids, but I'm not sure they're relating to it. But you get in the film room and you show them what they're doing wrong. You show them the good things that they're doing. You show them what the team's doing. That's how kids are learning. That's way different because access to film is so much different than what we used to have. So, you know. How much film time? How much, I mean, what, what as much as you can get. I would rather be in the film room than on the, on the football field, especially at Kings Ridge with my numbers. That's what I found out. Um, you know, we we film practice now with a drone. We got a drone that, that, that you know, you always got a kid that likes to fly a drone. So we fly a drone, and it got great film angles, great film angles. And uh, we can't do it on Friday nights. GHS, they won't allow you. But at practice, we do it. And so – we we try to steal as much time watching film as we can. So, 
I mean, how much total time do you have to practice football during the week, during the season? Actually, on the field, probably you go two hours a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's six hours. Thursdays before the game, I'm not a big Thursday guy, so probably about 45 minutes. So, you know, you're talking about about close to seven hours. So what about a lot of aggressive, you know, hitting and playing one, playing each other and really going after it? Is there, is there more of that, less of that, more learning technique? I mean, how's the game changed from like when you and I were kids? I, I think way less contact, way, way less. less contact because – um, you know, the things I don't like talking about, the, the concussions and those things. But the healthiest teams, game 9, 10, 11, those are the teams that go on and compete for state championships. So you want to be fresh at the end of the year. You want to, you know, we lift really hard during the season really because we want to get stronger during the season because we want to be the strongest football team in the state game 10, not have lost strength. Since then, mm-hmm. so we a lot it's of a marathon. So it's a speak. marathon, and you know, so like probably a week before the first game, we won't be in full pads the rest of the season, except on Friday nights. We just go in helmets and shoulder pads, or just helmets, and go out there and try to learn what we're doing. Because I can't, I, you know, Kings Ridge especially, I can't bang those kids. Yeah. They, they won't. I can't. I can't afford to get a kid hurt during practice. That, that'd big. be the worst. Yeah. So how do you tell, how do you, I call it painting a picture. How do you paint this picture for somebody when you run into them and they say, how's Kings Ridge or how you like it or whatever? What do you say? What's your, how do you like to say that? Yeah, the, the it is the most family-oriented school I've ever been at. The, the smallness, um, it's just everybody knows each other. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where, I wish my girls had grown up in that situation, in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. So for me, Kings Ridge is a family-oriented, close-knit, and I call it like small-town Georgia. So like if you went to South Georgia, one of the Class A schools down there, man, that's it now. That, the high school runs everything. I think Kings Ridge is like that, that environment of everybody's for everybody. And then um, what do you think other people say about Kings Ridge? Because you're there and they say, oh, it's not, you know, it's too small. Or what, what, what's your opinion of what other people yeah, think? How you, you know, beat that? I think for a long time people haven't thought Kings Ridge had been very good at football, you know, because they, because they probably haven't. But um, I, I, I think in, coming from public schools, I think there's a little bit of, you know, they they think they're better than everybody else. They think that, the, you know, we can't, you know, it, they're not seeing the real world. And I just don't think that's a true at all. You've seen it's just not. A yeah. lot of those myths have been. Oh, gosh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I don't know of anybody that I've ever coached that in the end, if I could show them the day-to-day, wouldn't rather have their kid go to Ken's Ridge, if they were honest with it. I, I think that's I think that's a pretty true statement. So how do you talk to these kids when they're, you know, haven't had winning seasons and you're trying to get them to buy into the, to what you're doing and the program? How do you change their thought process? Um, two sayings that I tell them. Keep most important, most important. And the most important thing is the next week. is who we play this Friday night. And if you even break it down more than that, the most important thing is how am I going to work in the weight room right now? 
And then we go on the field. How are you going to work on the field right now? That's the most important thing. You put think a lot. That's the most important thing for our football team is how you're going to work today. And so that's that's the approach. You can't you can't live in the past. You, you look for the next game. And now are we getting better? And I keep continually showing them things that signs of we're getting better. And it could be anything. You know, we have 45 kids today at workouts. We're getting better. We're getting better. I didn't scream and yell, but three times a day because <laughs> y'all doing you better. Tell them about yeah, it in the yeah, yeah, I tell them every day the things that we're doing to get better. And then the, my other thing is um, the only thing worse than no hope is false hope. Is you know when, when you when when you're hoping we're going to do good and we're uh, that's worse because that, that that ain't gonna happen. And I tell them about the team we're going to play. That team's got false hope. They think they're going to beat us. It's false hope. It ain't gonna happen. We're going to win this game Friday night. You know, and, I, and just building those kids with that and telling them the reasons behind it is it's pretty important, I think. So how do you address a situation where you got so few people and you got that, you got a kid out there playing and you just, you know, he's just plugging a spot and you're trying to build him up, but how do you also talk to the other kids on the team that are kind of wishing they had a better player there? Or yeah, something? yeah. That, that, you know, the dynamics – of a Friday night game to go into the next week is is sometimes overwhelming for me. Sometimes, you know, I. You know, I mean, it's kind of like a Rudy thing. You try to get them to rally behind the guy. <laughs> yeah, you, you you talk about team a lot. You know, this is our team, and if you start trying to point out one guy, we're gonna try to do something around it. You, you just can't do it. You just got to. Somebody's got to play better than you played last week, and so a lot of times I'll tell the kids my. You know, the great, the great players, y'all got to play fantastic. The good players, y'all got to play great. The average guys got to play really good. Now, you determine which one you are, but that's what's got to happen. If my great players play bad or just good, we ain't going to win. So you got to elevate yourself to play better than what you are. So everybody's got to bring their game up. Everybody has to. And you just preach that over and over and over, over and over. And you just we just need to get better today. We don't need to worry about three weeks or a month or a year from now. Yeah, right? it's just today. Just now, today. how do you handle the superstar kid thinks he's better than everybody else? You just chew their ears as hard as you can. You do. Yeah, you just. You do just, you? Do you? Do you? But can you make them better by giving them harder work or something to do? I mean, you know, how do you here, do you? One one of the things that I've seen is like if you take a senior that has doesn't have a scholarship yet that really wants a scholarship. And you take another senior that already has a scholarship, he's committed to somebody. That kid that doesn't have the scholarship typically is going to play better than the one that already has one. And so I, over the years, I've kind of I've kind of learned that. So I'll go to that kid that has a scholarship offer already, and I'll tell him that story, and tell him that it's my job to push you and make you better for this football team. And that's the real challenge now because colleges now or offering kids when they're sophomores, which really puts us at an advantage. How can they do that? I don't know. When you say offer, are they really offered or just? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a scholarship offer. And a signed scholarship offer? Not, not signed, but it is just an unofficial, you got a scholarship offer. When you graduate, we'll, we'll take you out. If did you they commit ever, to me right ever, now. Do they ever uh, not do it? Yeah, yeah, there's sometimes they don't, but they'll find a reason. To find a reason, but any any college coach that does that to me, that offers a kid, I want it written. I want you to write it to me. 
you write it to me. You get something written. He don't have to sign it. I just want it in written form that you have offered this kid a scholarship. Why? Because I can hold him to it. Because what I what they'll do, they'll say, he has a scholarship law for as long as he doesn't get in any trouble, as if he passes all his classes. Uh, you know, they'll say anything about injuries. They can't? Well, they can, but if they do, I'll let, I, won't, I won't call them out on it. So... They have to put it in, what is what is it contingent upon? And I have that, and I put it in my file right at my desk so that I have that. And then the kid knows that, right? The kid knows that. And so that maybe that holds them to the line a little that, bit, right? That, Makes them want to go ahead and graduate. And, and, and with social media today, that's a huge thing for kids to know that you can't just post anything you want to now. It can affect your future. What do you think about this, uh, about the kids getting paid now at college level? Well, not being a good enough athlete to be in that position before, but I, I got one that I have. Uh, Clint Bowling, you know, one of my coaches, just retired from the Bengals, played at Georgia. He said it's a great thing. He th he thinks that it's a great thing. He said that he thinks that the colleges are getting so much out of these kids, making so much money off these kids that, you know, it's good for these kids to be able to do this. I think it's going to open up a whole new can of worm now. As well, far I wonder as if because the kids that are going to get offered are the best kids, which are also going to get the chance to go to the next level most of the time. So they're yeah. already going to make. Yeah. They're just going to be making money early, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it is. the The problem I see is if you take a kid commits to Texas, he goes to Texas. A kid commits to Iowa State and goes to Iowa State. The kid in Texas is going to have a chance to make way more, way money, more money than the kid I would say. So, so the that's better school, help the, the better, better school. schools, the bigger schools, more TV exposure. They're probably, I think that's what Saban said. It's going to work to my advantage. Exactly. The, yeah. the big boys are, are all about it. Mm. How do you how do you handle fear of failure, of failing how, at this at this yeah. new task? How do you handle that? That that's that's the I, I don't enjoy winning as much as I hate to lose. So that's, that's something that I really struggle with. Um, you know, to get beat on Friday night, a lot of times is really devastating to me. If I win, it's kind of like, well, who we play next? Um, so that, that's a really hard question for me. I don't know how I deal with that. Um, I, just, I just try to put my head down and go to work the next and try not to let that happen again. And so... Yeah, but like last year, you had more losses than yeah. you had wins. So yeah. how do you, how do you do? Well, that? you 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 look at it like well, we're building something, you know. So do you look it, for the do you look for the silver lining in it? Yeah, yeah. What hey, progress? We lost to them by ten points, but last year they beat us by twenty. Or you look at what progress you're making. What strides have I made this year? I keep looking at that, and you know, a lot of time that that the help comes from my wife, might come from one of my coaches, might come from a parent. You know, those things help you along the way. Um, but, yeah, that's tough because I, I, I don't like losing. I hate losing, you know. Why do so. you think you like that? I, I'm not I – don't, I don't feel that way, yeah, you know, I, but I know some people that are high-performance people, and that's there's a, there's a driving force in there. I just don't want to lose. Well, it, it's really um, – I realize this about myself at some point that – when I competed with a team, I competed and cared a lot more than when I do when I'm by myself. So that's why I'm not a very good golfer because it's just me. So I go out there and I, if you beat me in golf, it don't really bother me. But now if me and you are partners, 
now I feel like I, you're relying on me. I got to play better. So there's something in me about a team that keeps me doing that. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. That's that. I just feel that in everything that I do. So what do you think you're you're here for? What's your overall reason for existence and purpose and what you're supposed to be doing? Well, I got to think it's to have some kind of impact on some boys, you know, some some young men. And I've been fortunate enough now to have some young men that I've coached come back and now their sons played for me. My, uh, my vice president, Denmark, uh, in the Booster Club, he played for me, Frank Ducille, who Frank is a successful IT man now. And that relationship to see Frank and – that's what it's all about, you know. That's what it's is those relationships I have with the friends I've made, you know, in the last twenty years is unbelievable. People I would never meet, but now then they're great friends I can call on, and so I don't know. All right, so kind of last question. So a lot of people in business, you know, worry about these newer generations of kids, and so you've been there with them for the last twenty, thirty years. Are you seeing anything that people need to know about that's positive or negative? Or do you see the kids are any different, really, or not? Or are they lazier? Or they feel like they should be given more? Or they their work ethic different? I mean, what do you... I, I, would be, I would be worried a little bit about worth ethic. I think the worth ethic has gone down. But I think the worth, that problem has been because of the expectation. I think people tend to overthink things too much. Is and, I, and I'm serious about this. 31 years, I've never had a kid back talk me. I've never had a kid you know, cuss at me. Um, and I think it's because I care about them and I demand certain things. And they know I'm not going to put up with something like that. And I just, I just think. So is that maybe the employer's problem? The employer's not trying to get enough out of them or not? I, I think so. I think so. You think the kids are there? The 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 desire to perform is there. They just need some leadership. Probably, yeah, as much yeah. As I, I, I'll tell you a great story. It's football wise, and and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart is way back. Kirby Smart was up for the Ole Miss job, and he came through Chattahoochee, and there's kind of rumors about it. And I asked Coach Smart. I said, "You on you on Ole Miss? Or you on, what's going on?" And this was defense coordinator at Alabama. And at the time, he told me, he, he said these words. He said, he said, you know, I don't think, I, you know, he said, those guys in the SEC that are successful, Saban, he called out Petrino, because Petrino had turned around to Arkansas. He said, those guys, when you're sitting around a table, if you ain't doing your job, they're going to call you out. You're going to do what you're supposed to do. He said, I don't know if I'm that guy yet. I don't know if I'm that. Well, He's since become that guy. That's very interesting. So I thought it was very – that he realized and became that guy. And so – He had to kind of change who he was a little bit to move to the next level. Yeah. And I would bet in the business world, those guys that are aggressive and will call you out on something, I bet you they tend to be more successful than the guys that mm, will get better. I love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast <coughs> with Terry. I, I think it's great. I think – Sports and business have a lot of similarities, and um, and he's a guy that's been highly successful at his craft, and hopefully you got something from it. So thank you all for staying, uh, tuning in on this podcast.